Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Top Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's Got Your Ears On. All right, everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido, along with Scoot. Yo! And Johnson squash the arachnids, Guido. Oh man, the the, the spiders, the spiders. Uh, and we're excited, guys. This week we're joined by the one, the only Josh Witt from Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. Josh, welcome aboard. Thank you. Hello, I, everyone. We're super. It's me. We're super excited. <laughs> we're super excited to have you here. Uh, listen, Josh, we feel like uh, the three of us um, uh, do a podcast that is about nothing, and we try to like talk a little bit about West Virginia University sports. You do a podcast that you, I mean, you you actually like look at stats and know things. Yes. You know, we don't know things. I actually get a lot of my after game, uh, like, I feel like Josh helps me feel like when I then talk to the people that in my circle that watch WVU basketball, he helps me feel smart and sound smart. Wait a minute. The, so Solheim is on your all's podcast, right? That's correct. He's that's correct. Yep. All right. So that's an informed, like he was on the team. He's played at the college level. I, um, I did not play my senior year because I knew I wasn't going to play substantial minutes because that's just how life is. So like I, but thank you. I'll, you know what? I'm going to take it as a compliment. I like the deep dive <laughs> analysis that you do. It always makes me feel like like I can rattle those off later and kind of just uh, channel my inner unreasonable doubt. And it always makes me feel smart. Wow. Well, that's uh, I'm blushing. I don't we're on the Twitch and I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was an interesting week for WVU basketball, to say the least. We had a game that we talked about happening, and then that game didn't happen. And yes. then we just like pulled, we went into like the magic hat of teams the that could possibly be played. Yeah, right. With the transfer portal of college teams. basketball teams. Yeah, we that's like, what it is, isn't it, Scoot? Yeah, it's I like just, the transfer portal. You go into the transfer portal, and then you come out. It's like you don't even know what you're going to get. It's like grab bag. It's like this thing that's constantly spinning. And then you just take your hand out and it like a, you it Didn't we have or something. a transfer? What was our transfer? Wasn't it like <laughs> we had a transfer, yeah, transfer portal I, I sound? I mean, that's what I imagine. I imagine like when Josh Eilert heard that the Robert Morris game was canceled. Yeah, that Robert Morris. He couldn't get in his car. He couldn't drive down to play us when he decided not to play us. Yes, that, when when Mister Morris was when, not yeah, able Mr. to go. When Mr. Morse was not going to be able to play, that he, like there's like some special computer or phone or something that Josh Eilert had Ooh, to go it's to. It's like the bat signal. It's yeah. like cool. He's got the bat. We phone. need a game. And so, uh, so North Texas, uh, you know, is the winner that's drawn out of the hat. They come to Morgantown. Yes. And they don't look that bad against us. They were Conference USA champions well, last year. Let's see what Josh thinks too. I would submit. What I thought you were going to say was, and they don't look very good. They just no. somehow had success against us for well, a while until I feel like a stern discussion occurred in the locker room and then they were 
uh, beaten soundly after that. But well, Josh, and this is something that we've been talking about like all season, which is I feel like we won't we'll, we'll get to, to the Richmond game. I feel like this team up until this point has been playing to the level of their competitors. They play if it's a good team, they play really good. If it's a bad team, they play bad. If it's a mediocre team, they play mediocre. And that's how I felt the North Texas game was. You know, it's interesting that North Texas game. I mean, picture you talked about how it, you know, and I think Robert Morris's friends called him Bob. I, that's just a tidbit for for a cocktail party. But oh, Bobby! Like, so they're out. That you know, the the bat signal comes out. North Texas comes to town. A lot of seniors, a lot of um, experienced people picked to be high up in Conference USA. And that first half, I mean, but let's think about what they're up against, right? It's it. You didn't know you were going to play them until 48 hours ago. It's a 3 p.m. game in front of dozens of people. And it's like as far as motivation and how to get up for the North Texas mean green with love and respect to them. And I think they're a good team. It's tough. And it felt like a 3 p.m. game in front of a empty uh, Coliseum. And so. We'll talk about the Richmond game later, but, you know, as as great as we'll talk about the first half of the Richmond game, it was the opposite in the first half of the North Texas game. And this is the part of the season because the Big 12 is a gauntlet, and we all know this with Huggins, is it's like uh, you can sit over there and watch the people who want to play play, and he did that. Some of that 21 points was sitting Derek and sitting Oscar and sitting Deuce and you had crazy lineups out there. None of them were effective. And then, you know, <laughs> halftime speech or whatever you want to call it. And they come out and score the first 18 points in the second half. And that's the game. But it's, it's, it's gotta be weird. Your home opener and there's no sounds and you've got the court looks great and they got this new screen and you do great in the second half. And it sounds like it did in the first half. Like there's just not a lot of ambiance or home court advantage or something that's going to motivate you outside of you being self-motivated. And they obviously weren't in that first half in the North Texas. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the three of us were texting in that first half. I think we started one of 11 shooting. I think at the half we were like nine of 35. I mean, it was just ice cold. And I was going to say, it's got to feel like an intramural game or like uh, a pickup game at the wreck because really you don't have more people watching you than you would at a wreck game if you were in the wreck. So it's, it's got to be really weird to get up for a game like that. And like you guys said, I mean, the mean green, that's their, their nickname, but they've got some sort of weird bird as a mascot. I don't understand it. I, I looked this up. It has to do with mean Joe green who played for North Texas. And they just adopted, like they called their defense, the mean green. And then everybody in North Texas was like, let's just call the team. the Let's keep the Eagle but let's call him the mean green. And so it really has something to do with mean Joe green from the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is kind of cool because that would be like us being the, you know, the fighting Pat whites after he went, <laughs> I mean, you, know, you think so much of the guy that you're like, you know what? We're now his nickname. Or yeah. Whatever. So, so Josh, going back to the, that, that game, one of the thing I thought that was super interesting out of the game. I mean, aside from the fact that I felt sorry for Amanda Maisie having to do the halftime interview with coach Huggins, because he Boy, that was rough. Happy. And yeah, then he... she ca- and I was like, she asked one question, and I was like, oh, well, good. I'm glad she only asked a question. And then she asked a second question. I was like, oh, don't ask any more questions. And then she asked a third question. I was like, Amanda, what are you doing? You're gonna get yelled at. 
And then, uh, but I, I thought was really interesting about it was that Oscar kind of got benched during the game. I mean, he kind of got sat down. He did. He didn't play a lot, right? I mean, and not deserving of time in that game. He was 0 for 5. He's great at rebounding. But Huggins, on the record after the game, just really took a knife to everything we think of of Oscar outside of rebounding. He said he didn't. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't run. He's not making the 15-footer. It's like, okay, well, that's what we think of when we think of Oscar. And if you're not doing those things, then you get to watch the game. So he definitely he definitely made him watch. Well, coming into this to the game today, I think Oscar is really becoming or was becoming a big storyline for the season because he kind of has and, – and I think when we had Kanate, I think Kanate was trying to show off all these new tricks that he had worked on over the summer – because he must have been told by NBA scouts, hey, you need to work on your outside shot. So all of a sudden, Sags stops blocking shots and stops posting guys up, and he's out around the perimeter. Oscar's not doing that necessarily, but Oscar's not doing much more than than what he – I mean, he's, he's there, but he looks a little out of place. He, he doesn't look quick like he did last year. Um he he's not sure-handed like he was last year. The ball's kind of fumbling around him a little bit, and and that is becoming a point of concern because if you're going to run the two bigs out there, it's only beneficial if the two bigs play as 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 they're capable of. Otherwise, you're playing down a player, really. Yeah, and I think maybe I'd like to know what Josh thinks too. But to me, when I think Oscar will the the gold standard for me for Oscar will always be the first half last year in Lawrence against Kansas when he dominated. I mean, and I don't mean like a turn of phrase. I mean, he literally dominated everyone on that court, dominated a good Kansas team. Now, we ended up, unfortunately, not being able to hang on to that for a victory. But, I mean, that was, to me, the gold standard Oscar. Now, you can sprinkle other things in, like his – you know, the Texas game where he runs full court, chases down a loose ball, takes it in and dunks. But, you know, there's there's things to me that just stick in your mind. And we haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. Now, we're going to get into this Richmond game. But I think to Scoot's point, it's like, to me, the developing story is like, you know, where's that next step? Where's that next gear? Where's that next progression maybe for Oscar? We hadn't we hadn't been seeing that lately. And I think in the North Texas game, you would have expected him just to take that over. And, uh, and he ends with zero points. I'll say if, if things don't change, if things continue to perpetuate, he'll be back next year, without a doubt. I mean, because I don't see where, where's he going to go if he – if I don't if, think it's NBA. No. I don't think he's – I mean, he's at least not – so far he's not showing that he's ready for the Well, NBA. if it's NBA, it's someone still looking at his upside and potential, but I don't think it's as much where we thought he'd have this season right. that just was like, oh, yeah, he's not going to stay after this. Well, it hasn't really hasn't really felt like that. I mean, we still, you know, still love the guy. You can still tell he's dominant force, but he's having these games where it's like you don't really see it in the box score. Well, think about his two best games – which is which is the I'll give you a couple of silver linings. His two good games, one, he played well against Gonzaga, number one team in the country, and then he played well today, a ranked team. So you know it's there. And yeah. I would think we would all agree that he, this is not going to be the Oscar we're going to see all season. He's going to show maybe you'll have some more games like this, but we're going to get some games like the first half in Kansas, and uh, we're going to see him improve during the course of the season. 
So, but seven games in like three weeks, it's just been, uh, you would think that'd be helpful for somebody to get out of slump, but if you're in a slump and you just go back again and again, Groundhog Day style, it may not be the best way to get you back into the groove. Right. And then the other silver lining is the opportunity for Gabe to shine. Uh, Gabe Osaboyan is that he's been, you know, the credit's going to go to Culver and to Deuce and rightfully so how well they played so far this year, but Oscar off the floor, Gabe in, and he's been great. He's taken a step up from a solid season last year, a glue guy, still the glue guy, but he looks better on offense, still great at defense, one of the best passers on the team. So I think his minutes will come down when Oscar improves, but it's given an opportunity for Gabe to, when he's in there, it's not been because somebody's in foul trouble, it's because he's contributing and and providing a a necessary spark to this team. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, Gabe's been terrific lately. Yeah, and I mean, we've been saying it for the past couple of weeks on the show, which is unfortunately for Gabe, but if you're if you're a fan and you read box scores, it's going to look bad. But Gabe, what Gabe does doesn't show up in a box score. I mean, he had nine rebounds in that game, which is great, but like the, the amount of deflections and where his just being in the middle of the mess and stopping things from happening is, yeah. is He's kind a, of amazing. a more athletic Cam Thurman. That's what he is. He's... He's that that kind of enforcer when you need an enforcer. I think Cam Thurman would punch you in the face if he heard you say that. I I agree, and I would run because I think I can outrun Cam Thurman. Well, I think Gabe does the what you just said, Guido. It's kind of like the dirt. Like Gabe will go in, and it's like, okay, do I have to man up a big man? All right, well, we're manning up a big man for the next few minutes, or you know, have they're switching me to a wing? Okay, I'm guarding a three for a few minutes. It's like he doesn't care. He just brings it, and that's what I that's what I love about him. He's 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 not intimidated by whatever the task is. He's he's playing within himself, and he's not forcing things. Last year, I think he was trying to show that he belonged. Now he knows that he belongs, and now he's he's letting things come to him. So, Josh, talking about the two spot, and this is I think you you listen to our show, and you probably heard Brent Solheim a week ago on our show say that he thinks Taz should be starting over, I think, what might be your favorite player on the team, Shot Robot, um, starting over McNeil. I mean, and this was actually a game where McNeil started to break out of his slump a little bit. I mean, but Taz still does what Taz – I mean, Taz was still, you know, right there with McNeil. I mean, those two guys were the two high scorers of that game. And, uh, I mean, what's your feeling on that two spot right now? I think it's a uh, it's a position of riches. I really think even though – uh, Sean McNeil has not shot the ball well and did, you know, we scored 21 points in that first half. We like I'm on the team. Uh, McNeil was good in the beginning and he was good all the way through and his shot had improved. Uh, and Sherman has just been dominant in the second half. And so, uh, you know, I equate what Taz doing this year uh, to the role Jay Sean Page did when when he was here where he wasn't starting, but he was getting the same amount of minutes as the starters contributing off the bench kind of a microwave Benny Johnson I'm showing my age kind of Casey Mitchell a Casey Mitchell type vibe in his first season where he's uh you want him on the court in the second half and when it matters and it doesn't necessarily he doesn't necessarily have to start to give you what he's giving you I think Huggins so far has seen how McNeil is shooting and is keeping him in the lineup and he did that for North Texas and uh but Taz each game this year it's just his second half has been fantastic. And so does he start? Does that change the dynamics of how he's uh, thinking about going into the game? I don't know. It seems to be what's working now with Taz coming off the bench. 
I, I guess Huggins is thinking, let's not mess with that. What he's giving to the team is great coming off the bench. Uh, and I'll roll with uh, with Sean McNeil in the starting lineup. I think it's a it's a win-win. And I don't think it's an either-or because some of our best lineups is when both of those guys are on the floor. Well, and that's what we, we were we've been talking about it. Like it is, it's kind of interesting. There were a couple times, and, and we'll move on to the Richmond game today. So West Virginia does, though, by the way, eke out a win. I, I'll say eke out. I mean, it, okay, 12 points is a good win. It's, you know, 62 to 50. I mean, I just feel like North Texas was a team we should have put, you know, more than 62 points on it. First five minutes of that North Texas game, North Texas looked really bad. And we were yes. just marginally better. And then <laughs> right. and then they came back and really made things interesting. But I remember texting you guys saying, man, North Texas is rough looking. They look rough. And and then all of a sudden we're losing, and I'm like, oh, I better stop talking. Well, and you look at it. I mean, look at it. Look at that game compared to the Richmond game. So West Virginia shoots 37 percent from the field against North Texas today. Richmond 58 percent from the field. I mean, it was just on fire, and you know <laughs> they were they were tearing it up. And so you it's and it's so hard for me. And it's two days apart, and you see a team that played North Texas on Friday that I look at going into the big 12 schedule and going, Oh, it's going to be a long season. And then I see a team that plays Richmond today and look at them going into the big 12 schedule. And I'm like, man, I don't think anybody can beat us if we play like we played today. So yeah, and I know there's like recency bias and you're kind of caught up in the moment, but like where I watched it today, the person I was watching with, uh, honestly, we had the conversation today that, that is one of the best halves. That first half was one of the best halves of basketball that I have watched of the Mountaineers in a long, long time. And listen, we've watched a lot of good basketball over these past couple of years, but I'm just saying it's hard to remember a half where we just shot the ball lights out, played great defense. If you think about that game was pretty close about midway through the first half. And then we switched into, I wouldn't call it a press, but we really turned up the heat and Richmond just could not keep possession of the ball, keep up. And we we were, we, you know, we were hitting in transition. People were hitting um, those pull-up threes. Deuce had that dunk. We're throwing alley-oops. I mean, it was, everything was falling. It was fun. I, I tweeted out at the time, like, it's fun to make shots. I just kept thinking, sitting there thinking, it's fun when we make shots. This is so fun all of a sudden. I, I will say this. I will play the devil's advocate. Okay. Oh, God, I don't want to hear it. I'm upset about the hot start because here's what this does. Here's what this does. This now has the two of you, I'm going to exclude Josh, but it has the two of you guys who anytime we don't start a game like we did today, it's the sky is falling. This guy needs to transfer. When, you know, what is Huggins doing? Is he alive? Does he have a pulse? I'm going to get all of those texts because we might play average or we might play, you know, not 58% shooting and you guys are going to just, it's going to beat up my text machine and I'm ticked off that they had such a hot start. No, that's not fair because we've been watching them not have that for, I mean, this first, I know. And you beat up my, you beat up my, my phone. I'm just saying it's going to be worse now because your expectations. Every time I'm in the text, you in the text. text. Lighten up all the players. <laughs> you guys have now raised this bar to your expectations. See, I, I knew we could have been doing this. We should have been doing this last 
Three games. Well, it does make me feel like that. Exactly. I mean, like, when you see that and you're like, well, there it is. And listen, I'll go one step further um, because later on someone, and I'll, I'll track it down and put it in the show notes, but they had a quote from Hugs because people kept asking him like, you know, what do you think of this hot shooting? How, man, wasn't it great for how great they were shooting, how hot they were, you know, shooting the ball. And he, he kind of cut them off and said, no, I think they were just normal. I watch this every day in practice. They just hadn't been able to put it together in a game yet. And that's what he, he kind of walked away from the question. Like, no, I, I actually think that's, that's normal for them. They just need to do that, do that more. So here's my question for you, Josh. Are we going to finish? Are we going to, when we talk again in April, have you back on the show or whatever, when, uh, you know, uh, you know, after we maybe win a national championship, are we going to look back? <laughs> are we going to look back on this Richmond Spiders game and say that this was our best game of the season? Or is this just kicking off what is hopefully going to be a, good, a bunch of good games? Uh, I cannot predict the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, but are we going to have a first half? Or are we going to have a half of basketball offensively? this whole season in the big 12, like we did today. I mean, it's possible. I think about, you know, uh, Johnson talked about the Texas game last year. WVU is capable of doing this for, you know, you said second part of the first half. So for 10 minute stretch, the ball is moving around. We're not taking shots early in the shot clock. Everybody's hitting their open shots. You know, it's there, it's possible, but I guess what Scoot's saying is that that's not the norm and should not be the expectation. And we should enjoy it when it's happening. Yes. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I can say that to other people. My, I'm thinking as it's happening, we got to save some shots for the second half. We cannot, we cannot shoot seventy <laughs> percent. We shot 65% from the field in the first half, and we shot 48% in the second half. But, I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I think I would take, you know, 48% not bad for the way we've been playing so far this season. I'd take 40 40, Guido. We yeah, did right. 40 as a team. And and up to this game, we were 5-1 and one shooting 40%. So here's, read into that what you want. I mean, obviously, you know, Huggins has never had a good the, – when the teams have been decent at uh, shooting the ball – it was the last year of Aaron Harris and Terry Henderson. It was the final four team. They were pretty good at shooting the ball, but like, so that's the one extreme. The other one, that wasn't a very good team, but they shot the ball well, but they weren't very good at, you know, defense and, and rebounding. And so this team's great at rebounding. And so 40%, you see how you can win games by get by scooping up a bunch of rebounds. But when it's happening, we got to take it and enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's, because it's not going to be like that all the time. They're, West Virginia, if you're asking me, are they more like the first half of Richmond or the uh, 40% that they did the first six games? They're, they're definitely more like the 40%. But they're capable of doing that. And we don't need to have everybody like we had in those 10 minutes making everything. We just need a handful of people making shots to bump that up from 40 to, like you said, Guido, like 45 45 in the defense that that West Virginia is capable of, and they haven't been great defensively, I would say, up to this point. But that'll get better. We'll take 45. percent That is promising for the for the rest of the season. Oh, Josh yeah. is like, don't use it all up. <laughs> don't don't, use, don't waste don't it. Slow down. 
And I don't know about you guys. I get the text. You all are on this text machine thing where you all talk freely. I don't want to talk to anybody when they're shooting 65%. I feel like I have no power over what's happening in the Coliseum. But I feel like if I answer a text, that's going to change like the, you know, the, what is it called? The Mojo. butterfly effect? The Mojo. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like one text is going to mess up the whole thing. So I just don't want to talk to anybody. Just let it happen. Let's see where it goes. From a uh, from an X's and O's standpoint, I do think one of the big changes that we've seen is Huggins is kind of going back to some defensive pressure. And we saw that against North Texas, which is kind of what helped us flip the script there. And it really showed today against Richmond how many times were we jumping the pass and getting easy, you know, transition dunks or layups or or even great shots off of that. So I think this, it's not press Virginia, but it is, uh, we're seeing a diamond press. I think we saw a 2-1-2. I think we saw a couple variations of presses, and that has really helped spark some of this offense. Scoot, I was going to ask you how happy – were you today to see Jordan McCabe uh, come out and actually have a game that didn't make us want to pull Listen, our hair out? I am a Jordan McCabe fan. I know you are. Oh, you are? I, wait, 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 like, wait, 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 <laughs> Guido, am I hearing this correctly that Scoot's a, I, think, I didn't know this. I wasn't. I think he's a fan. I am a Jordan McCabe fan. He, to me, has a lot of the tools in his toolbox to be a great point guard. The problem is he sometimes pulls out the wrong tools at the wrong times. And you'll see it where he's got great ideas, but he's not really good at the execution part where he'll throw <laughs> he'll throw a pass off a defender's back on a fast break, which we saw already this season. But then today he hits a three, he steals the ball along the baseline, who transitions, and while we may criticize the style of pass he made, he did make a pass to a driving along the baseline shot robot who got a, I believe he got a, a an and one, or if he didn't get an yeah, well, and one, he should have gotten we one. We said he should have gotten an and yeah. one. He bodied somebody up for like a, a layup, and they. I feel like at the other end, that's a foul. We can get into that later, but and he didn't I, get the benefit. I think he's the guy for me, and apparently it's maybe just me in all of the United States. For me, I want him in the game, especially if we're being pressed because yeah. on the, on the team, there's nobody that can handle the ball better. I don't, I mean, no, I totally give you that. And listen, there were some times during the Richmond game where they tried to turn up the heat and he's the one that got it up across the, you know, the timeline. So I mean, you got to give him credit. He can, he's definitely the person we like handling the ball. Now, is he what we want him to be? Not yet. Will that ever happen? I don't know. But, but don't you like, I mean, when he's hitting two threes, when he's making, you know, when he's getting assists, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I, that's what I love seeing out of him. And he allows Deuce, if they're in the game together, he allows Deuce to play the position. I think that Deuce is most comfortable with, and that's that two guard spot. Um, I know sometimes that, that forces a shuffle of the deck, right? So then you might see McNeil slide to the three, or you might see Taz in there as well as a three, you know, I mean, it, it kind of shuffles things a little bit. But I think sometimes, and Johnson, were you, I think, were you a point guard in high school, correct? Yes? Two guard, one uh, guard, what were you? No, I was like a three. Okay. Well, 
sometimes I was an undersized, underweight three. Sometimes that pressure just of, of having to make all those decisions sometimes is a heavy one. And, you know, I think it, it sometimes helps a guy where all he needs to do is score and not yeah. think about where yeah. guys should be. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And for McKay, for me, guys, in this 10 to 15-minute range, if it – we're asking, like, is it what he's going to be? Like, that question, we don't know that. But if we're, for the rest of the season, getting 10 to 15 minutes of Jordan McCabe, minus the turnovers today because he had three turnovers, but hitting open shots, getting us into the offense, being the true point guard, that's that's where I want Jordan McCabe for this season because, Deuce, he's not a true point guard, but he's in this Javon Carter mold yeah. Um, yeah. where he's – He's not a true point guard, but he's he's not turning the ball over. He's getting assists. He is getting his shot within the flow of the offense. So I'm not I'm okay with a point guard deuce because he's holding on to the ball, but he he can't play the whole game. And so give me 10 to 15 minutes of what Jordan McKay brought today and flashes of that in a couple of games a season. And that's what I want for him this season. And hopefully for all of us that he's comfortable with that role because it's, it, it is a step down from where he was in his freshman year, starting games and sophomore year, starting pretty much every game. So it's a different role. If he accepts that role, I think that that's a good sign for this team. No, absolutely. And it's, and it's good to see. I mean, I feel like we have been, at least us as a podcast has been kind of railing on him the the past few weeks and except for Scoot, me. except for Scoot. not me Thank and you. I feel like you know that it was good to see him play and hit those two threes and you know not look I don't feel like he was trying to be be too flashy now one player we haven't talked about at all uh who has had every game as pretty much a good game is DC I mean Culver you know, he's a new man this year, I feel like, Josh. And, you know, not only is it like little things, like he's making free throws this year as opposed to last year, but, I mean, you know, averaging the double-doubles, everything that he's doing this year, he's definitely leaped Oscar in that spot that we all thought was going to be the guy who was going to leave the team and go to the NBA. This might be the the year for him. I mean, what do you think how Derek looks this year? I was concerned, like you, Guido, as far as is he going – like freshman to sophomore year for Derek Culver – you look at the stats, it's pretty much exactly the same. Like there's really hardly any change in he actually did a little bit in free throws, which you talked about that, but everything else pretty much the same. So it's like, so is this Derek Culver? And what he's proved in the first seven games is that he's got another gear and you can see the confidence close to the rim. Yeah, he's missed some, some three footers, but he's not the only one uh, of our big guys doing that. But He's passing the ball way better. I feel like he's one of the top three passers on the team in the high-low, getting it inside, out in the North Texas game, finding the open man for a three out of double teams. He didn't do as great with that today. But, like, he has jumped up. And I want a word of caution on the free throw shooting. Culver did this last year. He started red hot in November and December with free throws and then went uh, hot – garbage dumpster fire in February and March with love and respect. I like Derek Culver. So hopefully he, this can continue, but That's he started great, hot last year. That's a great chunk of audio. Hot dumpster <laughs> fire. I love Derek Culver. Yeah. Cause Derek Culver, six ten or whatever, and 260 pounds of 
like rock. With love and respect to Derek yes. Culver, his and he would have to agree with me that his free throw shooting in November and December last year was great, and then it was what I just described in February and March. <laughs> I like that so that's it. true. He might take an exception to what I like the labeling of that, but he was poor at the free throw line. Well, and I hopefully think, this can continue. Yeah, and well, and I think you you said it, Josh, but to me. I always appreciate, I think DC's passing is really underrated. I think a lot of times when they run that high-low offense, a lot of times he catches the ball at the at the top of the key, and it's almost like a calming fact. Like, if nothing's really working, sometimes he'll flash up there, get the ball, and then you feel like, okay, like he's he's set now to make a good decision. He'll either find Oscar, maybe he'll, he'll kick it out. But he's, to me, he's a very underrated passer. He usually makes really, uh, really good passes. I think he found uh, Emmett a couple times cutting to the hoop today. They were really good looks. So that I love to see that from him too. I, I think the word I would use to describe Derek Culver between last year and now, or even between the first two years and now is refined, especially on the offensive end. The defensive stuff really hasn't changed because it's been elite, I think from the start, but offensively his footwork is so much better. I think he's more comfortable um, going off of each shoulder in the low block. Uh, obviously I, I think some teams like sleep on the fact that he might be left-handed. I don't know why they do, but a lot of times it seems like he can get to that left hand pretty, pretty easily. Um, and some of that is like, you know, if you're playing basketball. It's hard to remember all the little scouting things that you've come across on tape, but offensively he just seems more comfortable he's more um he used to be bull in a china shop and like a lot of stuff he did in the past where his feet were in one part and his leg his, his upper half was either like he was leaning all the time either forward or backwards and now it seems like he's got his feet underneath him and he's he's powering his way to the basket and it looks really well, good. i think he's so strong that he can get away with you know it may look a little awkward, but he guys have so much trouble bodying him up because he's just so strong. You can put him in an awkward position. He's still going to find a way to get the ball to the hoop. And he's getting the Shaq treatment seven games in. He's getting thumped. Yeah. I mean, and not calling fouls. And you hear Huggins in these uh, cavernous arenas like, that's a foul. And he's doing the whole thing. <laughs> and he's right. Like Culver is so strong yeah. that you like, they're just beating him up and he's staring at referees. Like, can I get a call? Yeah. And uh, he's not getting them, uh, but that's a credit. Like I'm, if you're mentioning Shaq, that's a good thing. Like Shaq uh, type, you are bouncing off of him, and people are just like, just go after him, and you can't move him. His shoulders are ridiculous. He might have the biggest broadest shoulders in in college basketball yeah and i just think he over even even guys that maybe like today i thought richmond was a good example they had a pretty big center it just it does size you know if you think you're gonna throw size at dc it doesn't really matter and that's their best player yeah the the, the richmond center is their best player yeah grant, grant golden yeah the, I, scoot i'm surprised you hadn't made a comment yet about the fact that grant golden has uh he had questionable hairstyle he got a ponytail and yeah, a he was ponytail and headband yes like it, it was a rough look i don't know if he's go first, he going for that uh it's like a uh kelly olenek look or something yeah. i don't know it's yeah. I'm not feeling it. 
It could have been. I, at first, I thought it was man bun, but then I realized it was just the headband kind of making the, the ponytail look a little bit weird. But I would venture but to yeah. guess he looks ridiculous without the ponytail. Hey, so <laughs> he, probably does, he probably does look ridiculous without the ponytail. And we, we didn't even get it. We won't even get into the fact that uh, Chris Mooney had the weirdest mask on the coach for uh, Richmond. Yeah. The, like, you could see through it. Yes. Like it was just. It's kind of weird. It looking. was like, here is my mouth. I put it on <laughs> in a frame of styrofoam. You kind of like a Mr. Ed. It's like a Mr. Ed feel to it. <laughs> Can I say one thing there too, Guido? It always makes me laugh too. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just a funny thing. Not makes me laugh, but it's kind of a funny thing. Post-game handshake, the other coach without fail always has, you know, very masked up. Hugs is always like, you know, like, the mask is like half off his face. He's always kind of like down, half know. down, half over his mouth. Yeah. And now his chin. today, it I watched the shake. Now Josh, Josh is listen. I don't, you, you guys got to listen to Josh because Josh is he is a pro at this whole post game. Is it a point? Is it a handshake? Is it a wave? Is it a like, bump? Like yeah, sometimes you've talked about this before, mer- Josh. Sometimes you, it's you, a mer- you got a yeah, good take finger on. guns. Hey shooters, <laughs> see you next time. I don't know what I, you I do. like finger yeah. guns. I like finger guns. I'm a fan of finger guns. <laughs> today, Mooney, I think. Huggins was going to give him like a tap on the shoulder. I think it was looked like that's all he wanted to do. And then Mooney kind of extended the hand. So he felt like compelled to shake the hand. I think <laughs> me, I'm a germaphobe. I would not shake the hand. I would be like, you, you'd give like a wave. I'd maybe you'd give like a coach's box wave. He put out the hand. Like. I'd slap it with my elbow Yo. and keep moving. <laughs> um, the other thing that we should take a few minutes to talk about guys is the fact that we got to see some new names on the court today and new numbers and some numbers that didn't necessarily have names. And uh, so it was, kind of, it was kind of interesting, Josh, to see some of those out there. It was great. Like, I, I've noticed this is our friend, my friend Jay Moore, number 20 today. Like, West Virginia comes out with the with the team picture and there's and they do a good job there at the, at the university of listing all the guys on their website and a player profile. But there's this guy in the picture, no profile. And like, okay, does he exist? I've been calling him mystery 32 because he wasn't wearing number 20 in the team picture. Right. And so we get down to Spencer Mackey time and Spencer Mackey is now having to share the wealth with Taj <laughs> Sweet and Zenny Enjai and mystery 32 that becomes mystery 20 which becomes Jay Moore. Um, it's good to always to see the guys come off the bench and the guys were totally pumped on the, on the sidelines when, when Taj made that uh, dunk layup. It's fantastic. But our, but our buddy Spencer Mackey, it has not run the offense for Spencer in the last minute. We've got multiple guys that are trying to get on the box score, including, including not mystery anymore. Jay Moore. Well, you know what I thought was funny I, and I'm going to try to give credit here really quick where credits do. So, Trevor King WV on Twitter, he he tweeted out and I, I gave it a like. I thought it was funny. He said, Spencer Mackey, the human victory cigar. And I just was like, yeah, it's perfect. Like when you see Spencer Mackey, you're like, sweet. Like we sweet. got it. You know, we won this one. I, I can't remember way back when, when I was a college freshman, I don't think I looked nearly as old as Jay Moore and Taj Sweet look as fr- like as freshmen. Those guys look like they're 32 year old freshmen. Yeah, that's men out there. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing about 18 years old that Taj Sweet has going for him. Like that guy, he's built. He's, I mean, and I hope, and I, and I know that 
it's early in the season yet, and I know a lot of things change, and we've got this weird extra year of eligibility, which I don't really understand because I feel that's maybe a discussion for another time, but I feel like if you're getting to use your eligibility, then you probably shouldn't get an extra year of eligibility, but for some reason we're going to give it to everybody, and it's going to cause a major log jam with recruiting. I think it's just a, a potential nightmare, and I feel bad for high school seniors who might not get recruited by the teams that they were hoping to get recruited by or might have been recruited early on as juniors but now are going to get pushed aside because the roster spot's not there yeah i agree with you Scoot, because like today like take for instance today when was the last time you watched a college basketball game a division one college basketball game where there were 15 players that played for your team there were 15 guys that clocked minutes on the on the on the court today that's crazy and i think part of that and i and we're talking a little bit about this mop-up time Part of it is in Hugs, maybe in the back of his mind, he's thinking, you know what? These guys got an extra year of eligibility. If Taj and Senny and Jay, and I don't know that he's worried as much about Spencer, but if they don't see time, I can always sell them on the fact that, you know what? We'll use this as just kind of like a year to get experience. We're going to need you in the future. Don't, you know, don't necessarily give up right. on things. Stick with the program and, we'll, you know, good things will happen. Well, and I think out of those five guys, I think two of them, three of them are going to be in the program and they're going to be names that we're going to be talking about for a couple of years. Well, definitely. So today, so Josh, is it Cottrell or Cottrell? Can we put this to rest? I guess we can. I think it's Cottrell. Everybody on TV is going Cottrell. Okay, Reedy's well, I'll go Cottrell. Okay, well, I'll go Cottrell then. But he and Bridges, I mean, how how about not only logging quality minutes against the top 20 team, but, I mean, just looking really good. Uh, Jalen throws one down. I mean, that you know, and I keep being impressed by, you know, okay, so I've been calling him Cottrell this whole season. So Cottrell, you know, he's hitting like fadeaway turnaround jumpers and things. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, seeing those guys start to like get some confidence and show their, show their stuff. I mean, that's, that's well, exciting. He's a four-star recruit who would be starting for a bunch of teams. Yeah. He just happens to be too tall on a team. That's got too many good guys that are too tall. <laughs> like that's the, I mean, he would, he would start for North Texas in a heartbeat. He'd start for sure. Richmond. He'd yeah. start for actually maybe any of the teams except for Gonzaga that we've played. He probably would start for. Yeah. And he's just, unfortunately for him, or fortunately for him, depending on how you look at it, he's going to learn from watching some of these other guys. But he's not going to see the minutes that maybe uh, Jamin Brakefield or some of his peers, uh, A.J. Hoggard, who went – um division one i think went to michigan state out of huntington prep so there's a bunch of guys that he played with that are going to see maybe more minutes than he is but it's the circumstances so but he's i mean he's smooth he's definitely smooth and he's comfortable and you know we saw taj tweet today like that's where the program's at this year is that that guy is getting mop-up time and i would argue hey bob huggins uh, let's go into the lab and create a player that fits somebody that you've had like 35 versions of. It'd be Taj Thweet. Like he already looks like he's been in the Huggins Way program and he's like 19 years old. It's, it's insane. And he's getting mop up time. So uh, regardless of what we think is going to happen in the future for Huggins to say, uh, I'm going to get you the minutes when the game is over. And that, and I, again, it's just two minutes. But just looking at him and us looking at him and saying, that's a Bob Huggins player. 
Like oh, he yeah. could be in a lineup, pick the guy who would play for Bob Huggins. You'd pick Taj Thuy. Yeah, and he as can't a freshman. Get on the floor. He's a fry. I mean, it's not. He looks like a junior. He's a freshman. It's. He looks like he could be Spencer Mackey's like, I don't know, like father age difference wise. Obviously, there's some other differences, but age difference wise, he looks like. Oh my, you know, Spencer looks like he's still in middle school compared to Tash Thweet. It's just yeah, unbelievable. And I would also like you get a look at Senny Enjai today, and he's an imposing force too. Athlete. I mean, you just look at him, like man, that dude's. That and he dude's was ready like to go right now eighth or ninth guy on Huntington Prep. Like yeah. he, I watched Huntington Prep play last year. Senny never. I mean, maybe he was injured or something, but he never sniffed the floor. And Huntington Prep had a guy that was their sixth man who went to Baylor. He's a seven-one center went to Baylor, and I think he plays. So Josh, we've uh, we're 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 a couple games into the season now. You, we've gotten a, a feel for this team. You know, we're six and one, top ten ranked team, or will be. You know, are you are you thinking that this team is going to continue to live up to the hype that they've gotten so far? Is this, or are we? Do we need to be cautious about falling back into what we had last year? I think we are better than last year. And unfortunately, what that means in the Big 12 is that that gets you 11 and 7, 12 and 6. I mean, Ken Palm ratings, uh, I don't know why I believe in them so much. It's, it's, uh, it's algorithms and numbers, but he, he's, they make the lines based on what he's doing. He's, got, he's still got five Big 12 teams in the top 10 in the country. Yeah. So we got to play – Four, four top ten teams twice. So that's eight of your eight of your eighteen conference games. Uh, Kansas State is a little bit down this year, so <laughs> we do have our version of Big East DePaul this year. But they they went to Kansas State and lost last year, so I shouldn't get ahead of myself. But to answer your question, Guido, I, they are better. I think they can be really good in the Big Twelve. And what that looks like in the Big 12 because of being the only Eastern time zone team and because of how many good teams are in the conference, that gets you good in the Big 12 is, is 11 and 7 or 12 yeah. and 6. And, and they can do better than that. But if, you, if they get 11 and 7, that's a good season and it gets you in the NCAA tournament and you've got a pretty good seed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. It's such a murderer's row. Yeah. It's tough. And the travel. I mean, it's it's such a... It's right in front of our faces every year, especially in basketball, though, that it's hard for you to be a, a conference champion if you've got the best team, if you're logging 4,000 more miles than all the other teams. <laughs> right. During the week. During, during, during the, the week. week. So yeah. that, that is a built-in uh, problem every year. But this team is good and better than last year. Josh, thanks so much for joining us this week, man. And uh, folks, if you haven't, if you don't already, you should be listening to Unreasonable Doubt. It's not Unnecessary Proposition or Unnecessary Doubt or what's all the other names that we had? <laughs> Ill-conceived prepositions, which is a <laughs> no. Listen, what you need to do if you're gonna go if you're gonna go down that line, then then you have to go back and find Josh's episode where he proposed. Uh, unseasonable doubt. Oh man! Unseasonable doubt. That, yeah, right. That's a classic. One of one of that's my one of my favorite. <laughs> that was a mid pandemic. Uh, we got to do something 
when that was mad. Him. That was we were worried. We that was yeah. That was uh, that was mid pandemic. We, we, we better were checking to make sure you. Josh is okay. Yeah, we, yeah. there right. were a couple of phone calls made. I love that episode. Yeah, you all right, buddy? Things okay? <laughs> if you want to see a person descend in the madness, uh, listen to that uh, episode specifically because it's it's off the beaten path. <laughs> thank you guys it's always a pleasure being with you guys definitely thanks josh check it out unreasonable doubt you can get it wherever you can buy your podcasts or get them or download them or find them including yes, box. so uh definitely check check it out guys we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back with the number one game show on a west virginia university sports podcast it's a little game we like to call bluff the fluffs don't go anywhere you're listening to got your ears on Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. Don't forget, you can find us on social media. Look for us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on there at Got Your Ears. You can also look for us on Facebook, Got Your Ears On. Boys, it's time for the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. Johnson, Scoot's making a comeback. He won last week with Big East Trivia. He is now only down... 12 to 15 he can still tie it I'm up. like the Dave Gavitt of this podcast <laughs> Dave Gavitt we've got three more bluff the fluffs before the end of the year and we reset and he could tie it up 15 to 15 and then we'd have to have emergency like fluff off you know fluff off <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really bad fluff that up sounds horrible we'd have to get fluffed up well, we'd oh, have to have man. like a final bluff for the entire series of bluffing yeah. or something. I think we'd have a fluff we'd off. We'd have to come up with something. <laughs> a fluff off. <laughs> fluff off. It's, it's going to be called a fluff off. That's just, I feel that's, like now it is, yes. Now it has, it has to, be. to be. But Scoot has to win the next three weeks in a row to make that happen. Actually, he has to finish out with four weeks Get in to a the row fluff off. That's what I'm going to try to do. You have to go on a heater. Hashtag fluff off. Scoot has to go on a heater. And this week, Scoot, I feel like when I reached into the magic bag and pulled something out, Again, another week where it skews heavy to you. So, I mean, kudos. You know, I've it, it, we've been doing a lot of stuff about West Virginia and um, West Virginia sports. Yes. And I felt kind of bad Thank because you. you're not from West Virginia. Correct. You don't know much about West Virginia. That's correct. You're no, you don't know that much about sports. It's a podcast about that content. So for those of you who don't know, Scooty, uh, our beloved Scooty, is from New York's Frying Pan Hat, or also <laughs> known as Connecticut. Upside down Frying Pan Hat. This week's bu Bluff the Fluffs is about the state of oh, Connecticut. yes. Yes. Questions about yes. Scooty's home state of Connecticut. Yes. This is a trap. You got oklahoma -ed. We oklahoma you. Listen, if Oklahoma had played this game, maybe you wouldn't have had this topic. But because they This is bluff the nutmeg. That's like right. I'm not I don't this is I'm this is not fair. I'm not ready for this. I'm ready. So as we do every week, guys, we want to remind you that a correct answer is worth five points, a steal is worth ten points, and final bluff is worth twenty-five points. 
Before we started, we had a complete, and if you watched on Twitch, you would know this, we had a complete and total random flip of the coin, and Johnson, you get to go first this week, so good on you. I'm on, I mean, I'm guarded right now. I'm on guard. I'm not trusting this any This is going to be great. This. I'm just saying. All right. So here we go. Question one is to you, Johnson, for five points. In 1901, mm. Connecticut was the first state to set a speed limit. What was that speed limit? Was it 33 miles per hour, 8 miles per hour, 12 miles per hour, or 22 miles per hour? 1901. This is tough. I'm going to go with 22 miles per hour. Sorry, that's incorrect, Johnson. Scooty, for 10 points and the steel, was it 33, 8, or 12 miles per hour? Well, I think uh, I think Johnson uh, would have been uh, arrested for speeding. I'm going to go with 12 miles an hour. That's correct. For 10 points and the steel, they were only at 12 miles per hour. You would get a ticket if you went any faster than that. So. Johnson drives a sports car, so he never would have made it. He does that in his driveway. He's already breaking 12 miles an hour in his driveway, and it's 50 feet long. I don't know if I I don't know if I'd call what Johnson drives a sports car. I'm just I'm just saying he's got nitrous. I mean, it's got a hatchback. It's the hot hatch. He's got ground effects. <laughs> it's the hot hatch. <laughs> it's a rally car. Scoot, put it on the put it on the pole. Uh, uh, let's if we had poles, put it on the pole. Uh, is the GTI a sports car? It is a German uh, engineered lady machine. <laughs> all right so congratulations to scoot for the steal and he gets 10 points there in the next question scooty is to you in hartford it is illegal to walk down the street backwards walk down the street on your hands walk down the street while wearing no socks or walk down the street with your cat on a leash it is illegal in hartford to do one of those things. well it's interesting hartford's a strange place uh, so it's leading me to two things. I've got two. I had a gut answer. I've got maybe the fallback. I'm going to go with, it is illegal to walk down the street backwards. Going with the gut. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry, Scooty. That's, that's incorrect. Johnson for 10 points in the steal. Is it illegal to walk down the street on your hands to walk down the street while not wearing socks to walk down the street with your cat on a leash? Well, I think Scoot likes to uh, not wear socks when he wears those weird sandal shoes that I criticize him for. So I don't think that would be it because that's something he would do. I've never known him to be arrested. I feel like even though it'd be odd to leash your cat, uh, there seems in no harm to do that. So I'm going to say walk on your hands. Well, that's correct. For 10 points in the steel, you tie it up, Johnson, right there. You're not allowed to walk down the street on your hands in Hartford. Getting a steel back. As one of our listeners just uh, put on Twitch, Mr. Cloney said, it's also uh, all while not trying to get shot so, <laughs> while in Hartford. Just an FYI, Hartford's a little rough at times. All right, so we tied it up right there, boys. Scooty. We just lost all of our <laughs> Hartford. Right, man. All of our Hartford. I mean, we're huge uh, in Connecticut. We're a big deal in Connecticut. Come on. We are. All right, here we go. Uh, this next question, Johnson, is back to you. This college tailgate game was developed by a Yale student. Okay. Is it hacky sack, frisbee, cornhole, or beer pong? Whew. Well, I think my gut is telling me to go with cornhole. 
Sorry, that's incorrect. Not cornhole. Scooty, for 10 points and the steal, is it hacky sack, frisbee, or beer pong? I am going to go with frisbee. Our, our friends at Whammo. That's correct. Frisbee. It was uh, invented by a Yale student in the 1920s. And uh, and Scoot gets another 10 points Boom. in the steal. Scoot, you, you play a little Frisbee when you were back yeah, in Yeah, I mean, level with me. Have have you ever Frisbeed at a tailgate? Uh, I think I have. I'm going to say yes to that. When I, Scoot, when I, Scoot, when I Frisbee, I go under, I go, I go. Oh, you, this, bring it, you bring it up from the armpit. You under, yeah, the fling. That's what I, yeah. You do, hey, it's like an Italian, it's the Italian toss. I, <laughs> hey, banana. Hey, hey, it's a hey. <laughs> It's a Frisbee. Hey, <laughs> hey, Luigi, catch the Frisbee. <laughs> Flying pies coming out my pits. Hey. <laughs> Listen, I can put a Frisbee. You give me, uh, I'll say, 50 yards away. I'll say a foot by a foot. So a 12-inch by 12-inch box. I'll put the Frisbee in it. All right. Well, Scoot gets a steal right there. Takes a lead 20-10 to 10 over Johnson. Congratulations, Scoot. And uh, this next question actually is back to you. This is something you should know, being from Connecticut. I mean, I'm sure you were taught this in school in your Connecticut history classes. What is the state insect of connecticut is it the grasshopper the praying mantis the dragonfly or the cricket it's a good question it's a very very solid question by you guido um i believe it is i got two choices in my mind i'm gonna go with the grasshopper it is the grasshopper it used to be the grasshopper (laughs) it's not the grasshopper uh, Johnson for 10 points in the steal to tie it back up. Is it praying mantis, dragonfly, or cricket? Um, this is a tough one. <laughs> what do you know about Connecticut I, insects? I don't like any of these choices, but I'm going to go dragonfly. I'm it's sorry. the praying mantis, isn't it? It is, it is the praying uh, mantis, yes. That... So, Scoot, was there, I feel like, so if we were in West Virginia, I feel like this would have been like a golden horseshoe question. Was there like a golden upside-down frying pan no, in the state of Connecticut? there's actually you... uh, <laughs> very little Connecticut history taught about Connecticut. Like, there's just, oh. I, there's no Connecticut history class that you had to take. There was no... Really? Yeah. No, I mean, it, if you know any Connecticut history, it's because you read some street signs. Which is kind of crazy considering, you know, the history kind of comes from New England. Yeah, there's yeah, no, no Connecticut history classes. They were one of the first states to ratify yeah, the Constitution. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. yeah. All right. So, we, 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 Scoot, you still have a lead, though. I mean, that's a it good is, thing. Yes. So. I'll be allowed back in once the quarantine's over. <laughs> they'll, let you, they'll let you back in. The, if you you got to win this. All right, Johnson. Next question is to you. In Connecticut, the maximum legal speed that you were allowed to ride on a bicycle is 25 miles per hour, 65 miles per hour, 100 miles per hour, or 12 miles per hour. Maximum. The legal speed that you're maximum allowed to. What? (laughs) This question makes no sense. I'm going to go with the 20. You said 25 miles per hour. Yeah. 25. I'm going to go with that. Of course, of course. I'm Why, sorry, sure. that's incorrect. Well, that is incorrect. It's, Maximum. It's got to be 65 miles an hour because nobody can go any faster than that. That's correct. 
If you go over 65 miles per hour on a bike in the state of Connecticut, you will get a well, ticket. Well, what are you doing to get to 65 miles per hour on you got to be going downhill. Got to be going downhill. I mean, Scoot, have you, you think you've ever hit 65 on a bike? Uh, no. I think you get, let me, I'll be honest, I think if you get over 25 to 30 on a bike, you start to get a little nervous. Because it's one of those deals where, like, a sli- any slight move and you are toast. Any little pebble? Like, you're toast, man. Like you can't handle anything past 30 miles an hour on a bike. All right, Johnson. Scoot actually now is uh, really starting to pull away for you on you. I know my state. I know my state. This next question is actually to Scoot. So, Scooty, in Guilford, at Christmas time, you are, A, not allowed to put a Santa Claus on your front lawn. B, only have white Christmas lights on the exterior of your house. C, have no more than three Christmas trees inside your home. Or D, cannot turn your Christmas lights on before 5 p.m. Ooh. I don't know Guilford that well. Do you know Guilford well? Uh, no, not really. Um, I know it's by the ocean, by the water. Okay. Um, the entire state's by the water. Well, That's not in true. West Virginia terms, yes. But if you're from Connecticut, like the ocean might as well be like Antarctica because it wasn't close to me. Um, that's a good good question. I've I've got a feel for it. I'm going to say that your lights must be white. That's correct. You're only allowed to have white lights on the exterior of your home uh, during Christmas time. All right, Scoot, so going into Final Bluff, you have a 25-point lead. Johnson, you can only tie it up. So, Johnson, you're down by 25. Scooty has a lead 35-10 to 10 as we go into Final Bluff. And as we always do, guys, we ask you to come up with your own buzzer. Scooty, what's your buzzer this week? Uh, I will go with uh, one of Connecticut's founding fathers and go with Hooker. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, okay. Uh, and Thomas Hooker. Thomas Johnson? Hooker is the founding father. Johnson, what's your buzzer? In honor of our guest, I'm going to go wit. Wit. All right. Uh, don't forget, Unreasonable Doubt, Josh Witt. Definitely check it out. A podcast about West Virginia University basketball. Um, all right, guys, here we go. Final bluff. In Waterbury... Is that that is that, that you know? Are Town's you good? serious? This is the start of the question. I'm getting What's wrong? jobbed. Are you a Gonzaga ref on the side? <laughs> <laughs> in water, in uh, Scoot's hometown of Waterbury, it is illegal for a beautician to talk to the person who is waiting for the next appointment. Drink a soda while working, eat within two hours of starting work, or sing while cutting hair. Wit. All right. To tie it up, Mr. Johnson, what's your answer? Sing while cutting hair. That's correct for 25 points to tie it up on Connecticut trivia. And it's about Scoot's hometown. That's crazy, Johnson. I am the Deshaun Butler Big East oh Tournament God. Connecticut trivia ender shot person. Like, I looked at, you know, like football coaches have their little card that tells you when to go for one or go up, you know, go for the two point conversion. When you're up 25 and you're going into a question worth 25, you don't buzz in. You let the other clown try to, you know, <laughs> like he's got to prove. 
about uh, you know above a re- unreasonable doubt that he knows the answer to all I'm the one to all the wistful singing beauticians out there that one that one was for you all right guys so uh crazily enough we have to do a tiebreaker we have to have a winner today so keep your same buzzers okay same buzzers okay. here um and we're just going to do another final final bluff uh, have we uh, ever uh, bluff, gone bluff? to over bluff have we ever gone to over bluff before no this is an o- over over bluff is what we're going to call this i think this is a record this is like an event right now. We've never gone to over. And we've played this game a lot. So what we're going to do, guys, is we have another we have another question here. Same rules follow, except no points to this one. This is just a winner take all. So you just win it if you get it. Um, and the question is, all right, you guys ready? Connecticut is the home of this first fast food food. All right. Here are, you, here are your options. Is it hot dog, hamburger, French fries or pizza? Hooker. All right, Scoot. <laughs> I believe it is the first ever hamburger place. That's correct. The first ever hamburger New Haven? was in New yeah. Haven. Yes, the first ever hamburger. I think the last, uh, I Scoot, I think the place is still open that, that makes it, too. Whew. Well, congratulations to Scoot. Winner take all right there. Who got close? I mean, they were on the Twitch chat wanting to pull your Connecticut card away from I'm back. I'm coming home, baby. I'm coming home. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. Scoot takes off and wins another one. The now is only down by two, 13 to 15 in the games. Johnson. It's gonna to be a tough, uh, tough one. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta try, yeah. try to hold strong. If you keep, if you keep bringing these topics, yeah. It is. Scoots on a heater. Ooh, yeah. All right, guys, listen. Let's take a break. We're gonna come back, talk a little bit about WVU football and what might or may not be happening. So uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio you'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. And listen, don't forget, check out our website, gotyourearson.com. It's a great way to get to our merch section and everything, right, Johnson? Yeah, so each week uh, with each show, we post that in the blog, along with show notes for everything we talked about, probably some stuff we didn't even talk about. Um, and we also have links to the merch store right there. You can click on there. There's still time to check off your Christmas list. So get in on that. Uh, and then you can listen to the latest show right there in the sidebar link. So check it out. Got your ears Uh, you know, Brent Solheim, uh, guest, uh, basketball analyst on our show is a big fanny pack guy. So Brent's bags, uh, right now they're out of stock, but we look to have a, a fresh stock in maybe for after the holidays. But uh, if you want to get your uh, your loved one uh, a Christmas gift, what says Merry Christmas like a pullover guy hoodie? Yeah, like definitely get on, check out the pullover guy hoodies and shirts and all of that stuff. It's got your ears on dot com. Well, guys, 
Final segment here, and uh, we save the best for last. WVU football cancels this past week's game against Oklahoma because we had some COVID issues, and uh, there was a lot of there were a couple positives. There were a few uh, com- people. There were a lot of people in contact tracing, from what I understand. Shane Lyons was on talk line with with Hoppy Kerchival and uh, talked a little bit about how there were just a lot of players and family members that um, that were in contact tracing, and it just caused a little bit of a problem. So we cancel our game against Oklahoma, and first thing that came to mind when they announced it was, this is what happens when you have so much time off, when a team has too much time off, and the players probably went and were around family um, and other things. The good news of it, Johnson... We finished the season with a winning record, five and four. Yeah, we didn't I mean, lose the OU in 2020. You could look at it that way. Yeah. So, but I think you know, for me, uh, you kind of just hit it on the head. I mean, look, the guys have been. I'm going to call it a bubble because I kind of feel like they've been in their controlled environment. I think since the summer, right? So, yeah. I mean, you're getting toward the holidays. You just had Thanksgiving. You got this long break. I mean, you can't. Yeah, not to make excuses, but you can't expect these guys to just keep all that control and, and for the football staff and everyone, you know, to keep full control over that stuff. It's probably amazing that we hadn't run into something like this uh, beforehand. And it's probably, oh, by the way, what Oklahoma ran into pre uh, Iowa state game that had us delay that um, to begin with. So Scooty, do we travel? Does West Virginia travel and play in whatever bowl it ends up being? The Liberty Bowl, uh, the Cheez-It Bowl? I mean, there's a bunch of... I think of- we'll commit to it. I don't know if it'll actually happen. I mean, I I, I would love to say it will. I think you're going to, for the sake of the extra practices, I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I'm sure Coach Brown would love to get another month or so of practice if that's what it ends up being. I don't know... I don't know when the bowl game that they play will take place. I mean, uh, is it New Year's Eve? What's the, what's the situation there, Guido? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, sort of the, the one that I'm looking at that, I, that I'm kind of the most excited about, um, but who knows, is on the 26th, day after Christmas, Saturday after Christmas, uh, West Virginia is a target for the guaranteed rate oh. bowl, which is at Chase Field in Phoenix, uh, which the only thing that stinks about it is a 10 o'clock at night game, but... It's looking like it might be Penn State, which would could could be fun for Johnson and I. Penn State, West Virginia. Oh man, I did not know this, Guido. You just brightened. So wait a minute, the same Penn State that's like zero and five right now, or something? Yeah, because you got you guys got to remember, bowl games are going to look different this season, just for the fact that these bowl these these the selection, which is ESPN essentially. Let's all be honest. Like they say, there's bowl selection committees. It's ESPN telling these bowls who to ha- who to have in them, and they're going to pick t- because there's no rule based on matchups. Yeah, yeah. Be because based. there's no rule this year. If you've had to have won so many games, true. There's I no, none about of that. that yeah. It's all kicked right. out. So ESPN's going to say, well, Penn State West Virginia is going to be a great matchup. West Virginia that that that's more than likely the bowl that we're going to end up in that guaranteed rate bowl, which is the 26th in Phoenix, which. It's another problem we'll talk about in a second, but the two matchups that have been tossed around for us in that bowl are Penn State and Rutgers are the two teams that keep coming out, which would be too fun. You know, Penn State for that history and Rutgers for that history. Penn State Um, would be, I mean, I'm now rooting for that. I didn't know, I didn't realize that was a a potential outcome. I'm I'm rooting for that. There's some concerns. 
here, well, there, here are my concerns. I mean, first of all, I don't like that it's a 10 o'clock game and it won't be over until 2 in the morning. But we'll, We've done we, it we, before. We've dealt with we, that before. We've done right. it before. But here's the other thing about it is, is, so you're talking about a bowl game on the 26th of December. You, you're, you're only putting, uh, going back into being active, allegedly, on the 17th of December. So you're only giving yourself nine days to prepare for the bowl with Christmas in there. And they've already said, all of the bowl games have already said that this year's different. Like, it's not like the team comes in, like, three or four days before and they do all this stuff. Like, it's going to be like an away game. You fly in the day before, you fly out after the game. Uh, you know, and then on top of all that, like, do some of these players stay and play for that bowl game? Like, how many how many players do you think were peeling out of the – you know the push car center yeah. when I, when the, when that game got canceled in Oklahoma because semester's over, yeah. school's done. Come on. I feel we're seeing. Like, I, I think we see it now with all the Twitter like thanks for thanks Mountaineer Nation all that. Like some of these guys aren't coming out and saying they're not playing, but Darius Stills is the only one who has said in his thank you thing that he'd he'd play in the bowl game. He says that you know I will finish my career as a Mountaineer in the bowl game. Darius is the only one I've seen say that. Um, but you know, Darius also has the advantage of the fact that home to him is 15 minutes down the road, too. Right. So. Yeah, and I mean, back to what I would to me, then uh, you know, I feel even more like kind of what I was alluding to before. I mean, would would you would you stay around? I mean, you've been in this bubble since the summer. It's the holiday. You know, season's essentially over. I mean, would you want to stay on campus a few more weeks to be in that controlled environment so you could? Well, go and in? especially if you're not destined to play professionally. You're, you know, you've already graduated. You're probably thinking about some of these guys, like that last semester. It's like a shell of an academic calendar for them. I mean, they're just there. Sometimes they have the extra year of eligibility, so they just kind of fill up some stuff. Right. So I think you're not going to see a lot of guys. And I think in the past, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, with us being off until what, the 17th? You're not even really getting that full extra month of practice. You're getting, what, maybe, let's say, seven days of practice. I mean, seven or eight days of practice. You're probably not going to get Christmas. I I mean, maybe they do something on Christmas. I don't know. They're flying, most likely. So, I don't know. I don't know. And we've already seen it. Like So, BC has already said that they're not going to accept a bowl game bid. We've seen a lot of bowl games already canceled this year. I mean, you know, there's all these weird bowls that were canceled, but some of the big ones that have already been canceled, Hawaii Bowl, which is played on Christmas Eve, kind of become a tradition, that 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve night game, that game's canceled. The Pinstripe Bowl that's usually played at, uh, at Yankee Stadium, the Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl's the second oldest bowl, it's now called the Kellogg's Sun Bowl, by the way, in case you're wondering, the Sun Bowl's the second oldest bowl game in the country right now, it's, it's canceled, Las Vegas Bowl, so you've seen all of these bowl games get canceled. How many, you know, that leaves us, I think, last at last check, we were somewhere around 36, 37 bowl games that are currently scheduled for 2020. How many of those do you think end up getting canceled anyway? Yeah, and it also makes me wonder how many end up coming back after this happens. Because we, right. we've, you know, for years we've read about... You know, too many. Just it's too yeah. Are are, are some you know some of these bowls don't run a profit and thing and you know how do they keep going year after year? So that actually makes me wonder like do some just go defunct and you don't see them anymore? I, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, unlike college basketball where the NCAA has a lot of money to lose if they don't have March Madness, it's a little different with this. The college football playoffs will happen. That's where NCAA's money is in the TV deals. 
the rest of it, there's, I mean, the schools will lose money. They make money off those bowl games, and ESPN will lose money on, you know, ad revenue. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, I mean, we won't find out a, a Sunday the 20th, which is this coming Sunday. That's when the bowl games are supposed to be announced, uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Um, we'll see what happens. It'll be yeah. And how many other guys, Scoot, do you think opt out? We've already seen. I think Tony Fields announced that yes. he he's planning not to play. I haven't. I don't know if you guys have seen any anyone else, but I he's the only one I've seen so far. But I, it just makes me wonder: Do any of these other folks opt out as well? I think we're gonna have a bunch. And if you recall, uh, was it? I wasn't last year. It was whenever Jack Allison stepped in for. It was two years ago when Jack Allison stepped in for Will yeah. Greer. How that right. went for us. Um, bowl games, unfortunately, I guess, unless you're going to a premier bowl or one of the, whatever they call them, the New Year's Day six or whatever, unless you're going to one of those, uh, uh, plant or something named bowls, um, guys don't really, they're not motivated by that. And sometimes they have more to lose by getting injured in a bowl than they would yeah and i think that's good i think you're right because i think that's because they've watered down the bowls so much with i mean last year there were 46 bowl games last right. year like so and some of them look like they're played in a high school stadium and right they've watered it down so much they play like three bowls in that ridiculous stadium in orlando every oh, year oh yeah it's like the... <laughs> it looks like it, it looks like legley field in charleston yeah. like it's like it's horrible um so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, definitely we'll talk about it next week. West Virginia will most likely get a bowl bid. It's just going to be down to will the program continue on to accept the bowl game? Will the bowl game actually happen? You know, it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting to uh, to see what happens, guys. It's a, it was you know it's kind of a rough way. I felt bad. It's kind of a rough way, especially for some of the seniors. Uh, you know, we we've talked about them before, but Jeffrey Puller and Tyler Sumpner and. And uh, Austin Kendall and and of course Darius Stills, who's been on the show with us. Uh, it was sad to see them not get not to get to play their final game in Mountaineer Field. Um, but you know, if we don't get it, if we ha- we said it on Twitter this week, and we'll say it again. I mean, we appreciate all the memories and you know and all the hard work that those guys gave the Mountaineers for for the, for the years that they were here. Yeah, it stinks to not send them out on the right note, um, and I'm sure they're disappointed not to run out one last time, but um, you know, I'm anxious to see there's a lot of talent gra- unfortunately, there's a lot of talent graduating, but I'm excited to see maybe what some of those guys have the opportunity to do post post Morgantown. Definitely. Well, guys, listen, let's wrap it up for this week. We'll be back next week with another show breaking down a couple of uh, basketball games that are going to happen. I think between now and then, we've got a a game coming up against Iowa State this week, so definitely check that out, Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll be talking about WVU and where they land in a bowl game, so we appreciate everybody listening. Don't forget, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also look for us on Facebook and check out our website, GotYourEarsOn.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Your Ears On.